Hi there, viewers and listeners. Welcome to another movie review from 1188. Tonight we're talking about The Icarus File, 1960s film. We're going back in time. We were 2007 movie last week, and now we're back to 1965. We do jump around an awful lot. There's no theme to the movie reviews. It's just whatever we feel like. So, you know, if you want to join us, great. If not, piss off, innit? Go watch something else. Right, with me, co-host, Samir. Hello, mate. My name's Michael Kane. Not that many people know that. Mm. That plagued the 90s. That, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Everyone doing Michael Kane impressions because um, there was a TV show here in England uh, called The Far Show, and it was like just sketches. And one of them was this guy called Paul Whitehouse doing impersonations of Michael Kane as a nosy neighbour. Yeah. Um, so, yes, the 90s was just plagued with fucking Michael Caine impressions. And I saw, yeah. um, I was watching that whole interview with Michael Caine uh, on Parkinson. And, it goes, oh, yeah. and then he goes, that was impressions of me in the 90s. He goes, there's one in the car, one. He goes, that guy, he didn't know White House. He goes, he speaks like this. My name is Michael Caine. He goes, I don't bloody speak that like that. Because it's nothing <laughs> like my voice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got quite a unique voice, Michael Caine, but um, some of the impressions that people think they can do with him is, no, just stop. I'm speaking of stopping. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, so I picked this. Yeah, you did. It's been on... The- it's been on my horizon for a little while now. Well, for ever since we started this channel, to be honest. Ever since we started off doing all the Bond stuff. Yeah. I've always thought that I wanted to do this as well. It was like a comparison. Yeah. Because it, it is this of the same time period. It is about the Ministry of Defence and spy shit. And... I have to say that the first time I watched this, I really enjoyed this film because it was totally different, totally unique to what we'd seen, what we're used to with the this, you know, formulaic Bond crap that we get. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm going to say well done. I'm going to give you applause for this, choosing this movie. Okay. Because I love it myself. I, I'm mm. a big fan of Michael... And I'm a big fan of Michael Caine. Not all his movies, but generally I think he's a safe bet. Mine, um... You watch any of his movies or his inner movie. Um, yeah. I think that's although he's become a superstar or a mega star in Hollywood, I always find him a little bit underestimated against other British actors of that generation. Right. Underestimated? Underrated. Well no underrated, yeah. I mean known what, faces in there. In what sense, okay. You hear loads of people talk about Sean Connery like he's some sort of legend up, you know, really high up. And I reckon Michael Caine's up there as well. Lately, uh, in the latest, you know, the Batman movies with Christian Bell, that's the time I think Mm -hmm. people realise he should be up there with him. But then again, another great thing about Michael Caine is he didn't do what Connery did where he would only go for certain movies where there would be big productions. He would go for little British productions as well. Where yes. yeah, he was in Jaws three, oh, four. Was it <laughs> awful movie? So that goes to show just how low Michael Caine would go for a paycheck. 
But they asked him, how much sh- the movie was shit, but what did he think? And he goes, well, I don't care about the movie, but you should see the house I built for my mother with that money. Because it's amazing. <laughs> so he didn't give a shit. <laughs> I said, well done, Michael. That was a good yeah. comeback. Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. Uh, I'll forego artistic integrity for the sake of building my mother a house. (laughs) Yeah. But then again, that was him, wasn't it? That was Michael Caine all over. I mean, some of his movies have been really awful. I loved, was it uh, uh, The Eagles Have Landed? May he play, say, SS? Is it SS or Stormtroopers? Yeah, they're part of the Falschermjäger. They were just pilot into that Norfolk village, wouldn't they, and just took yeah. over everything. Yeah. Right, let me, you know, before we go on too much of a tangent, um, yeah. let me um, might as well share up the IMDb page. And, uh, right, we can take a look at this. Now, this is something I forgot. Harry Salt. This, this is a Harry Saltzman yep. production. Correct. So, quite wise from Harry to have a foot in both camps. Yes. So he's got the glitzy Bond formulaic crap that, you know, that people seem to love at that time. And the more serious, kind of more, what I would think, perhaps a more realistic representation of what it work, what it's like for working for Ministry of Defence. Yeah. Anyway, um, so... In London, a wisecracking spy investigates the kidnapping and brainwashing of British scientists while dealing with the constraints of his agency's bureaucracy. Um, not particularly accurate write-up, I think, but... No. Cast? Well, Michael Caine, obviously, is Harry Palmer. Now, Harry Palmer is a character that reappears in a number of different films now, isn't it? That's right, yes, yeah. Hmm. People don't realise that, as, as I mentioned before, there's probably, in the 60s, there's probably another three movies or four movies they made of it. And then it did appear in the late 70s or early 80s and then early 90s as well. But by that time, it was like a TV movie because it'd been such a big gap. Um, unlike the glamorous Bond movies where it just continued going and became so big and on the big screen. But I think that's a shame. Because I think that character could have uh, done what Bond did, gone on. Well, mm, I think Bond kind of ruined it, really. Because people got used to that um, fancy locations and ridiculous enemies and stuff. I think people kind of, you know, when you mentioned spy film, people just immediately think of Bond stuff. And I don't think there's really room for this type of film in that time. People probably watched this and fell asleep, I think, at the time. Probably. Mm. Um, do you remember I had black glasses? Oh, black foam glasses. No. No, okay. <laughs> you can ask me, what has that got to do with Michael Caine? Uh, but that was my tribute to Michael Caine and um, Peter Sellers, because both of them wore that sort of style, and I always wanted to, you know, I like them too. They're my favourite British actors, or some, one of my favourite favourite actors so that's why I got those black frames um, in the okay. past yeah oh, I'm a little bit stupid I, I'm a little bit crazy as and you I, know <laughs> and I bet no one ever came out to me and said here is that your tribute to Michael Caine those glasses oh yeah 
Something. No, no, no one no. did. No I fucker tell, ever said that ever. I had to tell them that because they'll look right. at me and say, "Why have you got they 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 they, they look really at 1960s?" Yeah, I had to explain to them, and some people will just look at me and go, "Hi, oh, okay," because they didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've, got, <laughs> we've got Jack in the chat. Um, Hi, Jack. Hey, some of his comments. He's uh, giving some info, as he usually does. Uh, some of the people from James Bond films worked on the Press Files. And yeah, Harry Saltzman right. some produced a TV show based on this film. Yes, there is a TV show. It was recent. Was it last year, 2022, there was a TV show? Release. I, yeah. I kind of looked at it and I thought, Maybe give it a chance, but then I thought, well, it's 2022, perhaps not. I don't know. Let us know if that's any good, uh, because anything that's kind of within the last five years, immediately I'm holding the crucifix to it. Um, but, yeah, I, I do like to give things a chance, but let me know. Um, something else from Jack is well. Guy Hamilton would direct the second film, A Funeral in Berlin. And Michael Caine would play a spy against Pierce Brosnan in the Fourth Protocol. Yes, okay. that's right. Yep. Haven't seen the Fourth Protocol. Perhaps we should look that up. Um, I think I have seen Funeral in Berlin, but maybe only once. I don't remember it too well. But yes, so it seems that all of the, the Bond guys, you know, the, the the people behind the scenes of the Bond, they had a foot in two camps. So like, okay, well, let's see if we can push this. Because I tend to think the Chris file and the Harry Palmer character. Mm-hmm. Is more of the sort of adult Bond. Is the adult spy movies. Whereas if you're a kid or a teenager, you have Bond. It's ridiculous. You have that. It's, it's silly. You'll love it. But if you're an adult, an actual, an intellectual, then... <laughs> yes, <laughs> then you will, a... you'll enjoy how. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you know the artwork on the wall. You know the way it was. Yeah, and the yeah. cinematography of this film as well was, was absolutely... It was groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, but you need to understand, Paul. People lived in miserable Britain at the time. Because they I understand. Made it, I, yeah. I know where you're going with this. Yep. Yep. The only reason I think even adults watch Bond, I know it was fantasy, most blokes want to shame beautiful women. Let's 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 be honest. Even wants to be the guy who goes out in this world. Come on, mate, you used to do it. Come on, you, look, look, <laughs> you you and your toxic masculinity, it's it's shocking. Sorry, this misogy- mate. Sexist misogynistic ways. Carry I'm, on. Yeah, but I'm talking about the nineties described in the nineteen sixties, right? <laughs> Uh, it was basically yeah. a case that people, you know, mass tourism hadn't come around, and that's the pill of Bond. I think it was seeing all these glamorous um, locations like the Caribbean, uh, Rio, or wherever it may be. While this was real spy movie, I agree with you. It was for the intellectuals. So I don't have to agree with you there. Um, the realists. Realists, because spy work, especially MI5. Uh, didn't go anywhere abroad, and they had to do domestic stuff. They used to go to probably Newcastle, which is as glamorous as um... Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, famous for its espionage and exactly. terrorist yeah. cells up in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I'm giving an example. It's not like the Bahamas, but someone has to do the work domestically, and they had to go to parts of probably Northern Ireland or Ireland or wherever. But it wasn't great work. 
and it was no uh, beautiful woman next to them who was six foot six foot wore Victoria's Secrets and was like a supermodel. It was like the local, you know, the secretary who worked next to them or another a female spy in MI5, and that's it. And that's the truth of spy work. Yeah, dog shit. Yeah, paperwork. I mean, they were talking about the paperwork, the forms, the L one tens, or was it the old kind of yeah. way it is now? The forms they had to fill out after every every inquiry and stuff that they made. It just goes to show, doesn't it? You know, it's 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 it was, it, it was paperwork. It's boring. It's sat at a desk. It's doing a bit of research. Occasionally, go out and talk to a few people, and gather information. And how um, many of them had Aston Martins as well? Well, yeah, they'll drive four <laughs> Zodiacs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. yeah. Even the boss had an MG. <laughs> yeah, that's great, and that's why I liked it. I like realism. I like, yeah. I like that. You know, I want a bit of realism in my films. I don't want this. We've done all the Bond stuff. I can't help comparing it, but we've done all the Bond stuff, and yeah, they're they're okay. A bit of entertainment, you know, but. They just get so far-fetched and ridiculous. Yeah. But um, it was nice to see this. And also see Britain, how it used to be. Well, yeah. London, particularly. How it used to be in the 60s. And just how much it's changed now. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think London was... As I said earlier, off-camera. Off-camera, yes. Yeah, and I'm Specifically say... off-camera. Yeah. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's a view that... Uh... I don't think I would like uh, to say, but economically, yes, London's improved, um, and it's also more glamorous than it was. We've got more choices, but in other ways, it's gone downhill. Which that's it, really. I'm not going to say any more than that. And I think, hmm. I think it's pretty fair to say that there's no there's no social cohesion anymore. No, it's completely fragmented, London. Um, depending of what, you know, where you're from. It's you can walk from one end of London to the next and see like a representation of almost you know, the entire world, and there's you know it's United Nations ways. really yeah really yeah, yeah. exactly yeah so there's no sort of social cohesion I don't think. But do you remember where you and I are from? When we were mm. younger, everyone knew each other. Like you would go into town, and didn't matter what background you came from, everyone knew each other, uh, and would say hello, how are you doing, blah blah blah. But nowadays, it's become so big, no one even knows each other. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's no cohesion. No, none at all. Anymore. It's just a, yeah. There's no base. And something else that um, I was thinking as well is that there's no sort of baseline level of trust anymore. It's like you know, beforehand, there was a certain certain level, a certain baseline that you could you know assume that yeah. people would adhere to. Whereas now, it's completely out the window. Yeah. Completely out window. You just don't know what what you can and can't do, what you can and can't say, where you can and can't go. Anyway, right. So London, anyway, so, that's enough of London. So that that's it. London shithole. Don't bother. Right. I'm going to bring up the um. Language. <laughs> <laughs> go to Bath instead. Um. Well, yeah. Actually, yeah. It's, it looks much nicer. Yeah. So. Rotten Tomatoes score, uh, 97% critic rating, yep. 85% viewer rating. Very high, very, very high scores. Ranks well. Yeah. So, look at some, so let's look at some of the negative reviews. 
The Ipcris file was reasonably entertaining while I was watching it, but after it was over, I'd felt I'd been had. Bond fan. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> Is there any negative, any other negative reviews? Let's take a look. Uh, okay, well, we're struggling to find a few. Well, there's one just comparing well. it. It goes to grain, uh, goes against the grain of Bond, but that's it. It wasn't a negative. It was just saying it goes different. It goes to a different direction than Bond, which is fair enough. It's true. It, it's not the same. Um, yeah, good. But yeah, but that's it, really. Hmm. So, is there any particular parts of this that you really, really liked? I mean, what, what is it? Why do you like this film so much? Why is it one of your favourite films? I always loved the old British English stiff upper lip stuff uh, the two uh, chiefs where there was a distinction between classes Michael Caine was a proper working class guy, late sergeant and the others were toffs, not only that but it was like mm. how the paperwork was basically on desks, all over the desks uh, I liked the sort of secret little operations they had, it wasn't like uh, United Exports, where they would have a massive leather door and you know posh um, facilities like the cleaning Dolby's uh, headquarters, for example. That was very interesting. You go to a you know a agency for work, and they'll go go through the door, do the da da, and then Dolby took uh, Palmer through different doors like fireworks. Etc. Etc. And I really liked it. Not only that, but I loved the 1960s. It showed the 60s, uh, London as well. Um, mm. Different life to what you and I know. That's the thing. Isn't it? It's that, that so much change. Yeah. You think back. You look at the 60s. You think it was like a parallel, parallel universe. It's just yeah. incredible to how things have changed in such a short, short period of time. And to think that there's people still out there that don't believe in evolution. You no. can witness it right there. Watch yeah. that film. It's very clear that the human race has evolved. Well, you could argue it was devolved, but you know what I mean. Is <laughs> yeah. everyone's, everyone's walking around with smartphones and everyone's got a computer on a desk. I mean, that's the other thing, is the desks they were sat at. Yeah. It's just a lamp and a load of paperwork. I think one, I think one of them had a phone. That was about yeah. it. And not only that, it also showed a sad side of one thing. Bond, and because we're we're comparing it to Bond, shows a Britain still being a superpower. This fancy Fleming still had uh, been an economic power. In this, you could tell that our uh, intelligence was struggling financially as well. Uh, compared to the CIA and all them with all the facilities and it was very realistic saying okay we've got only a certain amount we can sort of spend etc and as we said the cars uh, they weren't glamorous they weren't no Aston Martin DB5s or any of that Uh, no snobs going on missions it was proper real working people that's what I loved Um, and London buses I've actually ridden one of those ones where you press the bell, you know, strings at the end. They were still around when I went uh, to uni in nineties. Amazing. They only got rid of them in the early two thousands. So all that stuff and the taxis were very different as well. 
Um, I'm sure some of them were still running around in the 80s, but the the squarish, boxy one, did you see it the, in the background? They were slightly different shape. They, mm. they, they were the real proper 60s stuff. You know what the scary thing is for me about this movie? Mm. I was only born 12 years after that. And the world changed in that 12 years quite a bit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite fascinating, really. It's a real snapshot of history. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about... Um, you mentioned, like, Dalby and Ross, the bosses. Um, yeah. I actually quite like Dalby in this. and Yeah, he's... Was, yeah. That was some clever shit, I felt. That was... Because we have that incident where they raid that warehouse and it's empty. Yeah. Um, and I can't... Part of the police. I can't remember what division of the police it is. But... Um, was it C something? C I C A or something like that? Or oh, something I, I can't remember what it was. I mean, things yeah. have changed so much. So, um, <laughs> they, so they raid that warehouse, find nothing. And that guy says to Dalby... Yeah, this is no good. There's nothing here. This shouldn't happen. This shouldn't happen again. Um, and then Dalby says to him, "Well, this this raid was supposed to happen at ten twenty-five. You were here at ten thirty-two. This shouldn't. That's not good enough either." <laughs> so he he was backing his man up. You know, he was. And I, immediately we got Dalby, this rather stiff, kind of boring, kind of you know, very military style. Yeah. person but yet he was fair and he was backing him up and then to the point where Palmer says thank you sir but then he has a go at him he's like no yeah I'm gonna back you up because it's not it's not protocol I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slag you off to um, another agency yeah. yeah but you're a prick <laughs> yeah don't do that again yeah he fucked it up yeah but then again it was a good way for him to also cover his own tracks. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. As we learn in the end, Dalby yeah. is the double agent, yeah. um, which is a shame, really, because you know, I quite like the guy. Um, Ross, like a... you think's a bit of a devious bastard. Yeah, yeah, he does look like that. But you know what the amazing thing is? You know the supermarket. He goes, I hate this American-style shopping. People don't realise supermarkets are not that old in Britain. They came around really in the 60s. Mm. I love that scene. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good, that scene. They're just yeah. picking up individual items off the shelves and stuff. Yeah, not that. Yeah, I don't particularly Sir, like those American shopping methods. Sir, that's baby food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't give a shit what he was picking up. He was just picking everything up. But it's very interesting when he said that American... Uh, shopping methods because mm. now we don't even think of it as American shopping methods it's part of our psyche now yeah like most things American yeah they've just basically become a little offshoot of America yeah, yeah. Uh, come on, another comment from Jack here I enjoyed this and Ken Adams who worked on this film had worked on the James Bond films yep and Doctor Strangelove yes Doctor Strangelove that's a film I've seen once and I love that film as well. It's brilliant. As I said, I pay tribute a tribute to these two guys. Yeah, we have to watch that as well. Yeah. I need to get those glasses again, mate. I need to pay my tribute again. Uh, Jack says, originally on Her Majesty's Secret Service, there was going to be an action sequence in London. 
Okay. Mm. Mm, interesting. Do you know the actual editor of this movie, Peter Hunt, was the director of her on Her Majesty's Secret Service? Right. So yes, all these connections. Even Guy Dalton uh, 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 played Ross. He was a uh, Count uh, Loppy or Lippy in, uh, I think, Thunderball. Right. So many connections. I guess. Well, it's the nineteen sixties. Yeah. I guess there's a very small knit group of people that you know. I, w- I want to make a spy film. Right. Okay. You need to go speak to them people, and it's all yeah. the same. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll do it. Yeah, and this film elevated Michael's career to being well, you know, the start of his solo career because beforehand, I'd, I'd read before this movie, he'd basically done little cameo roles. You know, he was always the Zulu. Yeah, he was always the supporting actor, not the yes. lead actor. So this really did push him up there in terms of being quite the star, and he he carried it so well. Yeah. I think uh, it was this movie, and then Alfie took him to the next stage after that. I think he made Alfie after this, took him to the next stage of being a megastar in the 60s. It's quite nice to know that there's no real particular um, sort of Cold War theme to this. I mean, I suppose there was underlying, but it wasn't really played upon. No. It was, what was it, brain drain they were talking yeah. about. So all these scientists that end up just kind of disappearing or, or defecting. Yeah. Well, Britain did have a brain drain in the 60s and 70s, but it wasn't like that. It was basically going to America because they were getting more money and better equipment. And that was an airy sort of, um, sort of area. Or, um, so it wasn't only scientists... There was business people, mm. lawyers. They had to go and retrain, obviously, over there, but it was a better lifestyle. Even Michael Caine ended up going over there because of tax reasons, mm. where they had super tax, 70%, so he ended up going there as well for quite a while. There's a few key... I mean, on that similar theme, yeah. is the psychological warfare. Now, yes. as, as we know, um, the... the uh, the American CIA had the MK Ultra experiment that was going on. When was that? That was, I think it was in the late fifties, early sixties. I could be wrong, but they were pissing about with experiment with people's brains and you know what yep. they could control and mind control. Mind control was a theme at the time. It was. Um, and here we go. So right, um, Project MK Ultra. Is an illegal human experimentation program designed to be under and undertaken by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, it began in 1953 and was stopped in 1973. So, <clears throat> this whole mind control stuff that this film is kind of based on—it it was a bit of a theme and grounded in some reality. Yeah, I think it was a case where didn't the CIA try to sort of get a few people where there would be brain washed to assassinate either a leader somewhere and then they can deny it we didn't know who the hell he was on the CIA we don't know who he is because he would forget Russians Russians are also trying to do this stuff too didn't the Soviets also do another experiment where they prevented people sleeping for a few days and it's one of the most horrific 
experiments ever. People went mad or something. There was a reason for it why they tried it. I don't know. I think what the Nazis did was probably worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. 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 I, I guess it all stemmed from that, really. And you got the Nazis experimenting on people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what what they could, what human suffering. You know how much people could tolerate. And I guess this was the next logical step. It's like, well, instead of doing physical stuff, why don't we just play with people's brains and see what we can do? We say that, that these experiments don't happen now, but they must happen somewhere. I'm sure some our governments, the Americans, our allies in Europe, Russians, you name it, they must be doing it. It must be still well, going on. It happens every day. It's called advertising. Yeah, that's right. Because that's what it is, isn't it? Like Coca-Cola. Yeah. People are brainwashed the way Coca-Cola did it. Um, yeah, you're right. That's it does happen. Advertising is psychological yeah. warfare, pretty much, because it's convincing you to buy shit you don't need. Yeah. And it works. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mentioned cinematography briefly in this film. and Yes. Um, it, there was a lot of experimentation in this where you've got off out of focus objects close to the camera yes. but yet you're you're watching things happening in the background yeah. there was one particular shot I think it was in um, Palmer's apartment mm -hmm. where he's talking to that woman uh, what was it? Jean Jean yeah um, he was cooking dinner or something and the camera was at an angle oh yeah and they show it sort so, of yeah yeah, so it was at an angle, and he and Harry was talking to it, and then when it shot, when it, when it cut back to the woman, it was at the other opposite angle. Yeah. There's a, there was a lot of experimentation in this, but it made it really slightly more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned things like being, you know, in folk like that. So you'd have, yeah, like the mic, the, my microphone in the camera shot, but actually you're you're focusing on me, and it would be all blurred, and yeah. it was quite interesting experimentation, and it, it really worked. That angle you're talking about is quite one of the most famous uh, scenes of that movie, because the lights at the back, behind the lady, and you, all you see is a little bit of smoke because you're smoking a cigarette, if I remember correctly, or something, and you then you turn back to Michael Caine. That is one of the most famous scenes as I remember. That was the scene that actually got me into the movie, because I watched it in a po uh, program. Uh, on BBC Two, that used to be about uh, movies uh, on Saturday or Sundays, and when I was a kid, that was the first time I'd seen that. And then it was uh, some advert used the uh, music or the theme of the, uh, and I always thought, which movie is that? That I know that theme, and then I found out, and that's why I watched it because of the angle and the theme. And I'm not disappointed. Best thing I've ever done watching that. So you mentioned the theme. Um, yeah. I can't even remember any of the music in this film. Don't you? No, it's a strange one. I, uh, it's come up a few times when I've been reading about this, that you know the music and stuff, but I barely remember it. So the, I don't understand what everyone's going on about. The theme is one of the most haunting and one of the most famous ones. I don't know if you can play it. Uh, uh -huh. I'll probably get a copyright claim, but <clears throat> I could try and find it. 
in the meantime, and yeah. I'm just trying to find out how much this film cost. I think it was about £500,000 in total. Wow. So Michael didn't get paid that much? No. Well, it was his first starring role, wasn't it? Um, oh. So... Um, all right. The Chris File theme music. I'm just looking this up. John Barry. Right, okay, yes. Okay, um, yeah, fuck it, I'll play it. I shall play it. Well, to hell with the copyright claims. I'm not going to play all of it. Um, we don't get paid anything from YouTube anyway. We've not made a fucking penny on this podcast since we've been doing it. Three years now without any money. Um, wait, ready? Yep. You hear that? That's it. really music no but it's nice though I like it there's something about it right yeah I suppose it's different yes. to Bond oh yeah absolutely and that's what I like about it Bond is focused on whoever it was that was famous at that particular time. No. Yeah. Some skinny bin on stage. Yeah. You sing this song. Yes. (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) So we should do a remix of it, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to leave it there. I don't want it too much. On that, probably get this YouTube chat and um, YouTube video completely taken off air now. But there you go. They can do one, can't they? We can go on to get what going to rumble. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, shit, or any other uh platform. Like, always live stream on Rumble, by the way, if you are watching, listening, and, and don't like YouTube, we're always, always on Rumble. I'm just going to go through some of my points. Um, so casting Michael Caine, initially mm-hmm. Michael Caine was not the first choice for Harry Palmer. He was the first choice. Well, his casting eventually helped redefine the spy genre by offering a more down-to-earth relatable character. Um, I have no idea who the first choice was. Um, I never found out. Couldn't you find it? Or? I couldn't find it. I didn't look particularly Mm-mm. hard, but I couldn't find it. I'm sure other people could. But it's interesting that he just wasn't the first choice. First choice, Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, his fees were too high after uh, the success of Goldfinger, Harpazine. Yeah. Well, apparently, the author of The Ipcris File, because like most things in most films, they're all based off books. Yeah. So uh, it's wrote by a guy called Lee, uh, Len D- Dayton. Mm-hmm. I think I pronounced that right. And uh, Dayton's involvement was quite extensive. He was very closely involved with the production. He worked on a screenplay too. Oh, interesting. He never had a credit for it though, apparently. I, I don't know why, but he worked on a screenplay. Don't want to pay a million, see they? Hmm. 
So go back to the music. John Barry, who is already famous for his work on James Bond films, composed the score. His use of this, the cymbalom, a type of string instrument, gave the music a unique haunting quality. Cymbalom? Yeah. The hell is that? I've got no idea. Oh, well, look that up. Cymbalom? What the hell? It looks like a fucking pool table. Yeah, hold on, I'll get some images up and I'll share it. Oh my god! I'll show it to you. You can take a look. It's fucking mental. You ever seen anything like that before? It's got the. That one there's got. Yeah, I've seen. It's stall. I've seen something similar to that, but no, no, I haven't seen that. Bloody hell. My God, it's like—I mean, for people listening, it's like it's like a little mini table. Imagine—I tell you what—imagine a piano, open, completely exposed, with all the yep. strings showing. That's what it looks like. Bizarre. They should bring it back. Yeah, I think we should. Imagine, uh play some some tune on that right yeah new version of this uh john berry's one make it more modern with that and the other crazy i've never yeah, seen that it looks before. amazing I've never, never even heard of that before i was mad jack yep. says uh this theme is like something that would be in bullet starring steve mcqueen mm, no <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. Smith says you're wrong. This yeah. <laughs> no. Bullet. Dim, I think I've dim, tried, dim, I tried dim, watching dim, that dim, once, dim. that film. And I think it just bored the absolute shit out of me and I just stopped watching it. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those movies you watch once, twice, maybe three times, and after that you can basically watch it like with your eye, your eyes are open, but your brain's not there because you know what's going to happen. <laughs> but the tune again is really good, but it's, sorry, but no. Uh, sorry, Jack, it's completely different. That is high-pitch jazzy to this haunting. Can't even compare it. Right. Uh, another one of my points was, this includes a lot of real-life references, which we touched on uh, with the real life concerns of the era such as the brain drain mm -hmm. um, which you've elaborated on as well um, military cooperation here's another one that I found the production received some support from the Brit British Ministry of Defence which provided access to military bases and advisors to add authenticity to the film did you know that? Why? No, I don't know that education every day is a school day here at 118 learning something new all the time you should know initial you know you should have done it in a Michael Caine uh, accent. Do no. you know? No. No, I'm not doing that. Initial <laughs> reaction. So upon release, the film was lauded for its gritty realism and complex characters, standing in stark contrast to the glamour and simplicity of the James Bond series. I love that. Glamour and simplicity of the James Bond series. There you go. So it's like I said earlier, right at the very beginning, the Chris file on Harry Palmer is for the intellectual, whereas James Bond... It's for the simpletons. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that told Harry, isn't it? Basically, Harry, you're simple, mate. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you're um, on here as a guest, just remind uh, Paul what he's just said about uh, Henry. Yeah. Uh, Henry. So, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Henry, if you are listening to this, yeah. Um, you're you're simple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I asked, um, well, I, I asked, I put into a search engine if there was any negative, um, well, if, if Michael Caine had ever spoken about this film in interviews and what he had to say. Um, and apparently one of the aspects that he often emphasises is how the character of Henry Palmer was designed to be an anti-Bond Unlike the suave and sophisticated James Bond, Harry Palmer is a more relatable working-class character, something that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And it was something that was quite revolutionary at the time in the spy genre. I guess the spy genre was supposed to be all glitz and glamour. Stiff upper lip. Don't forget, uh, it's completely different now to what it was then. Don't forget, you and I <clears throat> wouldn't even get into uh, the Secret Service in those days because one, we didn't go to Eton or one of the top private or public schools and didn't go to Oxford or Cambridge and it was about having a stiff proper lip, uh, posh well spoken, knowing the world knowing what to eat, what to drink that's what basically Bond's about, although as you say, for simpletons so it was very unusual mm. to have someone like Harry Palmer to be in the intelligence uh, because if you're working class you are working class simple as that uh, <clears throat> uh, not like now you can make it big or anything can put, and, you know, we, we still do have the class system but not as much as uh, it's not obvious no, I, it's not obvious I, as, as, as it was that's true yes yeah it's not quite as obvious but no we definitely do have the class system here because um You've got the, the welfare state class. You've got the work a bit occasionally class. You've got the um, the um, I'm not going to bother speaking English class. You've got... Um, work, the working class is no longer there, really. And the middle class, that doesn't exist anymore because it's been squashed with taxation and other burdens and financial fuckery. And there's no middle class anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's pl there's plenty of classes, plenty of classes of shit in England. Yeah, but you know what I'm trying to say is not or, or as yeah. obvious. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to go back on the on the simpleton thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like um, I should give a shout out to Henry from the Bond Geek. Um, it's well worth watching his stuff on his channel, and he comes on the show every now and again. Only if you're a simpleton. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a simpleton because he loves Bond. But still, definitely worth a watch of his stuff. Go check his channel out, The Bond Geek. Um, I believe we covered this one, Jack. Have you seen The Fourth Protocol from 1987? Uh, the answer is no. I wasn't aware of it. So I, have, I might look it up, though. I have seen it. Um, it's where, I think, if I remember correctly, because it's one of those shitty movies, which is very <laughs> low budget. Um... Sorry, sorry, Jack. <laughs> it's just I'm I'm in one of those moods on a sun. It's a Sunday, mate. I, I'm definitely watching it now. Then if it's shit and low budget, uh, I think it was Pierce. He trains Pierce Brosnan, and Pierce mm. is a Soviet spy in the end, or something, or something like that. I, I watched it years back. I, I was only ten years done. old. I watched it ten years when I was ten years old. Hmm. That was the year it came um, out. <laughs> I'm going to go through some of the criticisms of this film briefly. So, although it 
received largely positive reviews, which is, you know, we've seen the evidence of that on the Rotten Tomatoes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, some people complained it was too complex. Some viewers found the plot to be too complex or convoluted, making it difficult to follow. The film's emphasis on psychological warfare and mind control added layers that not everyone appreciated at the time. Don't know why that was. Um, was it complex, the storyline? No. I don't think... I, I, if you compare it to modern movies where everything is explained to you like you're a fucking retard, then you watch this. I suppose, yeah, it's not immediately obvious what this character is and what he does and stuff. But isn't that part of uh, what movies are, mate? Uh, to tell us, not give us a story straight away, is to basically keep us guessing. Is that's the problem I find about modern movies? Before yeah. even you go in, you know what the main character is and who's going to die, uh, and how they're going to die, or what's yeah. going to happen. No point. I rather sort of watch paint dry, mate. Yeah, I agree with you to some extent. Modern films, everything is explained to you like you're a, like, like you're a retard, and you've got a uh, yeah. And these days, everything gets a spin-off. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yep. I mean, I saw something advertised on Amazon recently. There's a spin-off of a TV show called The Boys. Can't remember the name of it now. But it's like for fuck's sake. I mean, the Lost Boys. Stop. No, 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 no. There's a TV show called The Boys, and it's a. It's anyway. I've I've seen most of it, but there's a spin-off from that, and it's just like for fuck's sake. Can we just stop? Can we please just stop? I think the last modern movie I've watched. Well, I mean modern. I mean which has been out for the last three, four years, or five years, it's probably Elvis. But there's something right. to you, mate. Mm. Um, I'm just getting anyway. old. Yep, that's one thing that's guaranteed. You're going to get old. Um, Jack, you'll be doing that's... the same moaning in about 20 years' time. Another point. Limited action. Now, this is obviously, you know, from like a Bond fan's point of view, I would have thought at the time. The film's focus on psychological tension over physical action was a point of contention for some viewers who were expecting more traditional action sequences. Okay, the truth is, when when you're a spy, and if you're old enough, these were reported, and not even old enough, it's happened in our lifetime in the last 20 years, right? And recently, spies don't go around swimming in warm waters with sharks in the Bahamas, guys. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. It, it's basically they put something in, like, 2005 or six at the Millennium Hotel. That wasn't a glamorous setting. Basically put poison or whatever it was in the person's tea and Russians put that and That's it, he drank it and he died within a week. Uh, before that, in the seventies, Bulgarian Secret Service used a um, umbrella, poked uh, someone in the leg, poisoned him, and he died. So it's not about having these big glamorous jobs, uh, killing thousands of people, and then going, "Yeah, show what water, what Martini shaken, not stirred." Uh, he's got a point when he shoots someone through the bloody chest with a. And this a, coming from a Bond fan. Yeah, yeah, but it's a fact. I'm trying to say, yeah, I'm a Bond fan, but the fact well, is... Well, yeah, I think, I, think I, I, I see being a spy as being probably pretty fucking boring. It's mostly paperwork and intelligence gathering, isn't it? It's mostly uh, just... Yeah, well, well, we know that 
there's a particular unit in um, in our government that just comes through social media posts and finds you know, people posting hatey words. And, yeah. um, you know, can you imagine doing that all day, just scrolling through bloody X or Twitter, yeah. whatever it is, just finding people for race, you know, for hate crimes. For, I mean, come on. No, but it's like what they were doing at the start. You know, when uh, he gets up at eight, when he should have been up at seven or whatever, and should have been <laughs> oh, at, that, at the loft. That, I like that scene, but God, yeah. that alarm clock that's going on, it's like, turn it off! Can you believe that? Uh, you, now, nowadays, no one even has an alarm clock. It's all on the on watch or on bloody um, on the phone. Yeah. yeah. Yes, definitely, yeah. But that, as that whole scene was going on and that alarm clock, was, oh, just turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to get a hammer and smash it, go bang! <laughs> yes, it's frustrating, it's annoying. Another thing, did you notice, like, you know, if that was Bond's uh, flat, but would have had all the modern posh equipment, and this, the only uh, luxury items he had was the copper sort of looking utensils in the, on the wall besides mm. that everything else was basic and he only thing he knew that was close to bond was about food but he got a che- cheaper version but he still was considered yeah. quite a connoisseur when it came to food went to the supermarket and bought it all and bought all the ingredients himself yeah and cooked yeah it. yeah exactly what was that anyway it was a fucking omelette he was cooking up or something yeah i think yeah, it was a spanish, it was spanish i think he might have been a spanish omelette yeah, uh, how sophisticated Harry Palmer. How <laughs> <laughs> I suppose at the time though it would have been. It was like, well, you're doing what? You're putting peppers in eggs. What are you doing? Peppers, so onions, that... garlic, fucking yeah. garlic. Yeah. So at that point in time, <laughs> that would have been like for most English people, that would be like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, comment from Jack here. I enjoy that the plot that keeps us guessing is like watching a mystery. I enjoy this with murder on the Orient Express films. And that was mentioned before. Yeah, Jack, mentioned, uh, Jack mentioned it last week. Uh, what he, yeah. I think he's trying to say to us, guys, can suggest... you watch it? Yeah, can yeah. you watch it, please? <laughs> <laughs> if it's that, it's, it is that Poirot bollocks, isn't it, that, that I mentioned as well yeah. last week, yeah. where it just exp- at the end, everyone's in the same room and he explains how he found out. And Oh, God, spare us, mate. Just just arrest me, all right? Get it over with. Here, put the fucking cuffs on me. Let's just get it done. I don't listen to your voice any longer, you prick. Colombo. Um, yeah, there's another one you love. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I guess, probably wrap this up with yeah. my favourite part of this film, and that was the bit where Dalby and Ross meet in the park. We uh, talked about this off off recording before we started recording and that section where you've got the two heads of department walking side by side they've both got the umbrella cane they're both wearing the the, the bowl hat they're both pretty much dressed similar and they're walking in synchronized step even the walking sticks are the uh, at the same time yeah i that scene love that scene because that scene just for me I thought of so many different things. I thought of of England at that time period and how we still had a level of discipline and class, mannerisms, education, sophistic, sophistication. It was 
everything that England used to be right in that moment. Yeah. And I thought about Monty Python sketches as oh, well, yeah. because oh. there were so many Monty Python sketches that ripped the piss out of that type of persona, that type of person. Wasn't there where... one with Dudley Moore and Peter Cook where they stood up and there's different classes? Was it Monty Python? Well, I can't, I can't I remember. Don't. But, um, you know, there's like you watch. Uh, one thing that stands out from Monty Python is the Ministry of City Walks, where John Cleese is all dressed like one of those guys. He's got the bowler hat on, he's doing the stupid mm-hmm. walks, and it's, you know, he, he enters the Ministry of City Walks, and everyone's doing it. Um, and it also made me feel like, you know, that. I almost felt sad in a way. For watching it, as much as I enjoyed that particular scene, I almost felt sad that that is just such a such a distant memory of how things used to be. Because now people are walking around wearing tracksuits and hooded sweatshirts, and no one gives a shit, and it's just a, a fucking mess. No one's got any particular, you know, people. Uh, people go to and pick their kids up at school in their pajamas these days. You know, there's no yeah, a sense of pride, and it goes right back to the very beginning where I said, you know, the social cohesion. There's mm-hmm. no sense of anything anymore. Everyone's an individual. You know, I'll do what I want kind of attitude. There's no doing anything for a greater or bigger cause or anything. It's just complete free for all. But if you, you know, like you were saying that people don't realise people are still do, uh, dressed like they're up to the mid seventies or late seventies, um, the old stockbrokers. With the umbrella, boiler, uh, bowler hat, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. It was only changed in the eighties when London became more uh, different in a sense, where there was privatisation. It became more of a wealthy country again. People don't realise um, London had not changed much after the war because we had lost the empire. Am I allowed to say that? Lost the empire. Um, I think more sort of gave it up. Gave it up because we were bankrupt because of the war. It was war. too expensive to run an empire at that point. Yes, it was yeah. like shit. We just slowly hand it all back. <laughs> yeah, and that's what happened. And it was the eighties where the economy boomed, started booming, and the country changed. And but there was one thing I have to say about that decade. That was the last decade I always say to people in the eighties where glamour was still around. People dressed well, and I always used to. A dream of her, you know, going to work, having a three-piece suit on with a tie. By the time I got to work, it was like a shirt and trousers, maybe a tie, and then they got, went to collar, loose collar, and now I can go like this to work. Yeah, no, trousers, nothing. Yeah. nothing no. And yeah, so on the flip side, you know, some of that I quite appreciate. Yeah. That you, you're not, you don't, you're not forced to wear like a uniform to work. No. I kind of like that, but then also the other thing I do dislike that because it's just a complete lack of self-respect and um just discipline you know you know i'm yeah. turning up to do something rather than yeah i'm just kind of you know i'm i turn up at nine o'clock every morning so i deserve to get paid that yeah. attitude you know that's what i'm hearing right so why am i not being paid? you know i deserve to be paid i'm sat at, sat at the desk yeah but you haven't actually done any fucking work yet yeah but i'm here aren't i so i deserve to get paid it's that attitude, you know? It's that... Yeah, under 35s, I've noticed that. <clears throat> well, so, speaking of under 35s, Jack comes up with a comment. Um, 
I enjoy that type of humor of Monty Python. It's like Mel Brooks' humor from the movies, Blazing Saddles and the Young Frankenstein. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's comparable. Yeah. It's sort of mad. But I think I think it's class madcap humor. Yeah. Um, where it's completely surreal. It's I like just. I like that sort of sense of humor. Two of my, one of, well, two of my favorite movies as well. Mel Brooks's. Blue I Blair. haven't seen the Young Frankenstein in a very, very long time, but Blazing Saddles um, <laughs> always does stand out. There's some real great scenes in that film. Yeah, I think we've mentioned but, it. Once yeah, I think <laughs> we did. I think that's our new sheriff. He's a uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the whole disappointment of it as well. I remember that one character. Hey, yeah. look, there's a new And he's a... a, a his whole yeah. body just slumps. Yeah. But the funny thing, he was smarter than all of them, wasn't he? Well, that, that was the whole joke of the film. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. He was the smartest character out of the whole lot of them and just run rings around everybody. Yeah. yeah. Made hmm. me laugh. But great movie. We have to do that. We have to cover that. Maybe we should talk about it at some point, yeah. Yeah. Um, right, okay, well, should we score it? Yep, you got the privilege as you chose it. Yeah, I haven't thought of a score on this film mm-hmm. until now. And I'm just trying to... Yeah, okay. I'm going to give it a seven. It was a toss-up between a seven and an eight. Wow. But I'm I'm giving it a seven because I felt the ending was a little bit kind of quick, get it over with. Yeah, it don't be... don't you? It 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 felt like almost like they've run out of budget. It's like shit. We need to wrap this film up. Yeah. Um, I don't quite know how we're going to wrap it up. It's a bit like this podcast, really. I never know how to wrap this podcast up. So it's like shit. Let's just get it done. Um, no. So I think that's probably where it loses a point for me. But I'm giving it a seven. Well, I think you're going to be surprised what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a nine. Hmm. Wow. The reason is, yeah, I agree with you. The ending is shit because it, I think it was a budget issue, but the rest of the movie was very good. And I can't just drop uh, a point for that. Uh, it's one of those movies that I can watch over and over again. It, I mean, it's not one of those I will watch it every day, but it'll be one of those that I would would love to take out every. Christmas and watch it. It's like where the Eagles dares. I know uh, we were disappointed with it, uh, or we didn't give it as much of a high score as this. But it's one of those oh, movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Almost forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like that. It's like one of those movies you want to take out during Christmas and watch it. Yeah. Strong Christmas theme in this film. Yeah, no, it's just me. I love like watching the nineteen sixties movies at Christmas. It's nothing to do with Christmas, but it's. <laughs> I, I just looked at. Uh, sorry, I just looked at Jack's score. I should put it up on screen. He is. Uh, he's given it a nine out of ten as well. Wow. Oh wow! All right, before we go, all right, <clears throat> what's your highest rated Bond film, Jack? Out of interest, you know, we'll sit here and wait for your answer. Highest rated Bond film. Because I'm curious now. Because Jack's a young fellow, he's in his 20s. He's predominantly a Bond fan. In fact, his avatar on YouTube has got loads of different Bond actors over the years. But yet he's giving Ipcris Fall a nine. I'm just curious. I can guess which one it'll be. If I can tell you. 
I reckon it'll be from Russia with love. If you like status, you'll like from Russia with love. Yeah, it's a good shout from Russia with love. I, I remember when we talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Skyfall. <laughs> Disappointing. Wow. That, uh, well, yeah. That's why I'm disappointed with Skyfall. He's mentioned that. Nah, because there's a massive gap between this and that. Yeah. I thought it'd be from hmm. Russia with love. That is the closest Bond movie to this. Yeah, well, yeah, it's more of a spy film, isn't it? I mean, you said yeah. that when we first started this channel and reviewed From Russia With Love that yeah. From Russia With Love is probably about the only spy yeah. movie in the whole Bond series. The rest of it is just kind of over-the-top action. Fantasy, mm. yeah. Yeah. Right, OK, let's leave it there. We've been going for over an hour. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks to the people that watch, the people that do listen. Um, yeah, find us all over social media. You can make suggestions, get in touch, let us know how good or shit we are. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it from me. Good night. Good night. <laughs> what? That's what I said about wrapping his show up. Never have a fucking plan. <laughs> it's just like, shit, we need to go. We've been doing this for an hour. So, see you later. That's it. <laughs>